Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. ABTB buddies, thank you for tuning in. Today I've got Neil Rubenstein, who is a comedian from Oklahoma. Neil does a combination of headlining, opening for different comedians, and also opening for musical acts. Musical acts are starting to bring comedians back. I did a deep dive into Neil before we started, and I really, really enjoy his comedy and the fact that he can go in and out of his act and interacting with the audience. We talked about that quite a bit. He's just uh, very masterful at it. He's won lots of comedy competitions and placed in a bunch more, including the World Series of Comedy, Pittsburgh Satellite. He got first place in 2018, first place in the World Series of Comedy, Boston Satellite. Watch his comedy. I, I just think he is totally masterful at what he does. He's he, Like me, he's a big guy, and yet he doesn't have that big guy attitude. He's very in tune with his audience, and he's really, really there to make them laugh. And I really enjoy his pacing and just, just everything about him. Uh, this is a great episode. I interview a lot of folks, and I like them all, but some of them I think I could hang with. And uh, Neil is one of those guys that I think I could hang with. So check it out. It's a good one. And thanks for listening. It's Neil Rubenstein. Hi, Neil. How are you? Hi. I appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah. Before anything, uh, how big of a Brack fan are you? Uh, Pretty big. (laughs) You have Sitnam on your knuckles big? No, I'm not that big. I'm not that big. Uh, But, uh, yeah. Very very rare that someone, uh, I can show that to someone and they understand what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I got to get a Zorak too, and uh, yeah. so I can complete the trifecta. But I, I don't think that Adult Swim has ever really beaten Space Ghost. They, they've got some great stuff, but I think Space Ghost was their Mona Lisa. Yeah, I mean, I the the Brack show for me was just, and that that I feel like that era because that era they had um. Venture Brothers was starting and Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Uh huh. Yeah. And I feel like those are just three very different, three very great. I want to say uh, um, that Metal Apocal- Apocalypto, whatever it was. Yeah. That was like right around then. Yeah. I want to say maybe Tom Goes to the Mayor was right around then. Yeah. That was a good, uh, they had a good run. But yeah. that Braxton, man, that's. Yeah, and when that when that stuff came out, Space Ghost and the Brack Show, that was I was raising kids at the time, and they were little, so I had to really pick and choose what I watched. 
So it was pretty much that and the X-Files and Twin Peaks. So that that's really all I could fit into my life. And so I and since then I've rewatched X-Files probably I don't know 3 times all the way through the series and Twin Peaks I rewatched seasons one and two with my uh wife because she'd never seen it we did that recently but yeah that's that's the that's the only way i really experienced nostalgia is through those old uh, tv shows yeah i uh i watched too much tv i still watch too much tv um yeah yeah venture Brothers is killer so i've been watching you know your clips and i i listened to your uh ep that's um still on spotify for some reason uh <laughs> you're one of the comedians that didn't get uh, kicked off of spotify so uh yeah. congratulations on that one of the things that i really like about you is your ability to be in your act and then either acknowledge or interact with the audience. I don't want to call it crowd work because I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't call what you do crowd work because it's a real genuine interaction that you have with people. And then you go back in, you're able to get back into your act. I, I wanted to talk about that a little bit because I I think you're pretty masterful at it. Is that something that you learned or is that something is that just the way you are? Fuck, man. Uh, <laughs> Scott Curtis coming out hard. Ooh, yeah, dude, I do I deep dives, fun. baby. Uh, first of all, thank you for saying nice things. Um, <laughs> I would say that I just... So what I tell, like, and I, I, I'm a newer comic. I still feel like I'm learning. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm very new. People will be like, ooh, but I feel very new. <laughs> Um, but what I say to newer comics is the reason we're, the reason we ended up doing comedy is because someone in our life was like, you're funny. Uh -huh. You should try stand up." Right. Yep. In, ge in general. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm painting with broad strokes, but someone said, Neil, you're really funny. You should try stand up." whatever it was, whoever it was. So when I talk to new comics, I'm like, try and capture that. Everyone's, everyone talks about trying to find their voice or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just trying to be you, trying to be yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I really do try to just be the funny guy that you hung out with in the car on the way here. I want to be that on stage because that's, I, I mean, I've made friends that stay with me for 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. So obviously there's something there. So why not try and just be like, why wouldn't I want to be like that with everybody? Right. Right. So there's, I mean, there's a little bit more like rehearsal to it where it's like, well, this is a bit I'm going to tell, but I'll, I'll adapt that bit to what we're doing. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the, 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 the joke about being wishing I was lived in a small town doesn't have to be, I wish I was in a small town. It could be like, hey, this town is that town. Or, hey, I just drove through that town. Right. You know, like it doesn't, uh, the truth is still the truth regardless of the 
framework. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I understand that. And one of the, one of the other things I like about, I mean, when you watch your act and when you listen to everything you have going on in your life, you are, I, I want to say this nicely. You're somebody who is uncomfortable in your own skin. You are, you, you've got the anxiety, you, you've the depression, you've got everything that most comics have. And yet you take that and you stay that way when you're on stage and yet you're comfortable on stage. So you, do you know how, and you've seen enough comedians to know that people who are in the same state of mind as you, sometimes they get on stage and they get so inside their head that they are coming across as something less than a, than, than a good comedian, I guess. They are, they're, they're not, they get so wrapped up in how they're presenting themselves, they're not uh, genuine. So you are, you've got everything, all your baggage that comes on stage with you, and yet you seem genuine when you're up there. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. I think, uh, so like uncomfortable in my own skin is like a, because <clears throat> I, I think that like the human condition allows us to be multiple things at the same time. Mm -hmm. So like I have the depression and the anxiety and the social awkward, like, please love me. I just need love. Yeah. <laughs> also, <clears throat> I know that I, I've done cool things. <clears throat> I've done cool things and I know that I'm like a, a, a fun, cool guy to be around. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't mind like, I don't mind presenting my anxieties because it makes me what my friends want to be around. Right. So that's fine. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like it's like, um, you know, when people say, uh, you have a guilty pleasure. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, oh, uh, you like Rob Thomas. So that, that's a guilty, pleasure. no, <laughs> it's not a guilty pleasure. It's a pleasure. If I like it, it's because it's cool. Yeah, yeah. Me, just by me liking it makes it cool. Right. So I don't believe in like the guilt. So I feel like it's the same thing. Like just because, yeah, like I have anxiety. I have depression. I'm an emotional guy. I cry. Uh -huh. That doesn't make it not tough because I'm a tough guy. Uh -huh. So this is part of what being a tough guy is. Right. Or, you know, whatever the, you know, whatever the thing is. Yeah. You remind me a little bit of Richard Lewis when you're up there, you've got, you've got a lot of, a lot of the same, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pretty much spit my life out here on stage. So you've got, an, you're brave enough to do that. Um, and yet you do it in a way that I guess it doesn't necessarily push most people over the edge of either a feeling sorry for you or B being offended uh, in some way. And I think that takes, a lot of self-awareness and I, I think that I, I guess that seems to be what I see up there is somebody who's very self-aware and confident enough in what they're doing that they can they can bring up all the things that are going through their heads and in their lives I mean I'll take it uh, <laughs> I definitely 
I, I definitely agree with the honesty thing. Like I just like, yeah, whatever is going on is what's going on. Like, mm. I mean, the day my wife left me, the jokes about how out of my league I was mm-hmm. with her, I just changed the pers- like, well now uh, see, I told you. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, it was like, I mean, that week, like, I didn't have to, like, go back in the tank and, like, figure out those jokes. It was just like, oh, my wife? Nope. My ex? That Like, that's it. So, uh-huh. you know, like, uh, if that makes sense. I don't know, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it really I does. Answering. I think I was answering the question. Yeah. Now, I, um, I, I listened to the last time you were on um, Red River. I actually listened to that while I was driving today, and there was something that was brought up that I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into because you talked about starting in 2007, (laughs) and you went 2007 to 2009, and you said at the end of that run, you found out that you sucked, and you walked away for a while. Can you expound on that a little bit? Well, uh, how? I I mean what like well, yeah like yeah i sucked yeah well h- how did you realize that you sucked uh just hearing other people's reactions and then hearing my reactions uh-huh like so i i think some com- like i think comics will talk about this where like a bad comic hears a little bit of laughter and is like i got laughter yeah and a good comic hears a little bit of non-laughter and is like, I didn't get enough laughter. Right. So I think that, I think that just happened for me. Mm -hmm. I I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how to behave or how to get better. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what kind of work to put in. And I, I, I just tried this thing. I got like a smattering of laughter and some pats on the back and because I had some things going on in other facets of entertainment that mm-hmm. I was able to get some opportunities I didn't deserve and didn't work hard for. And it's all the same things that I'm, you know, I try not to resent other people for getting now. You know right, what I mean? Like, right. I learned valuable, valuable lessons. Um, and I, I think that the, that I just, I, I heard, I, it switched for me. Uh, I heard, I heard a little bit of laughs and I was like, oh, this is, I can do this. And I got a little bit of reward and I was like, oh, I can do this. No big deal. This is easy. Mm-hmm. And then one night, day, evening, I tanked and I was like, that sounded bad. And then that's all I could hear from then on out. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, there's, um, there's that graph. It's like we all start with incompetent confidence. Yeah. And then we go and we're like, now we're in, now we're not confident because we recognize our incompetence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we get competent, but we still have that, oh, I'm not good yet, lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. And then finally we get to this confident, competent part of our lives. Right. And that's when I think that's when you can start getting good and start figuring things out. 
and I think that first go at this, <clears throat> I wound up in that in unconfident incompetent. Mm-hmm. So when I restarted, I was confidently no, I was not confident. I was confident that I was incompetent. Right, right. <laughs> Which I don't know if it was on that graph. I don't know where on that thing is. Yeah. So what did you do to change your act to feel like you were competent? Hmm. Did you start at square one? Did you just start started, completely started over? Yeah, I started at square one, just started going to mics. Mm-hmm. I took a couple of classes. I, I'm a big advocate of a class. Okay. I, I know that there's a lot of like uh, snake oil salesmen out there yeah. and a lot of, sh- a lot of shisty characters, a lot of people that are going to try and sell you a product. That's not whatever. I will say if you're starting out or I mean, not even just starting out, I think first five years, you can always learn from someone better than you. Mm-hmm. And if someone better than you is offering a class, what's the harm? What's the harm in spending six Wednesdays in a, you know, in a rental rehearsal space to like be able to pick this person's brain, Mm -hmm. you know, someone who's done last comic standing or someone who's, you know, on whatever, you know, or someone who used to book Caroline's or whatever the thing is, right. You know, you, you can, you're going to learn from people. And, and that's the other thing. I think a lot of, I, I just got into it today. Not into it. Cause I, I, yeah, I, I was, I was like, ah, I'm out. <laughs> but so there's like all these forums on, on Facebook, you know, comics looking for this advice or whatever. And someone said, oh, how do you feel about this? With no intention of hearing anyone's fucking point of view, just so they could say their point of view. Yeah. Um, and I forget that that's what that is. So sometimes I get caught up and I'm like, oh, well that, that's fine. Like, so the, the topic was feedback mics mm-hmm. and I it was like, all right, well, I don't know that I'm the demo anymore, but I still find value in any feedback. Any feedback is valuable feedback. So if that's what's going on and I, you know, I can learn from people that are not necessarily comics. I can learn from you know, whomever, because they're an audience member. You, you understand comedy, you understand comedy. It's, uh-huh. not, it's not, we're not roofers. We're not rocket scientists. We're just telling jokes. Like, you know, it's funny. Farts are funny. Farts are always going to be funny. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> do I say a fart or the fart? Or is it the farts? Yeah. Is it a multiple? Like, was it just, or do I just say fart? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there's a science in there, but I mean, ultimately we're talking about far jokes here, yeah. you know, like not, what was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> so well, my there's... point is that you can find value in a lot of people's opinions. Yeah. Even, even if you think that I made that mistake once I made that mistake once I saw someone was posting a class, uh, it was offered free to me. And I was like, I'll do it because the other people in the class are great. Mm -hmm. And then I did the class, not expecting that the moderator would have any valuable input. And they ended up having some of the most insightful input I've ever heard. 
and mm-hmm. they're not comics. They just worked at comedy clubs their whole life, and yeah. they just get it. And it's like, oh yeah, what? Like, who am I to think that I couldn't value? I couldn't get value from someone else's thoughts. Like, if I really hate it, if I really disagree, I can just brush it off. Whatever. It's not. Mm-hmm. And like, even when I get like when I give advice to people, because in the band in the music industry, I. I would like take people under my wing every now and again. And it would be like, I would say, I'd be like, ignore me, ignore me today. Forget what I said. I'm the only one telling you, forget it. You don't like it. Forget it. But when you hear it again from someone else down the road, remember that I told you first, Mm. (laughs) you know what I mean? And that's like, that's really how I take everything too. Like someone says it once. I'm like, "Ah, all right, I got it. You know, if I disagree, I'm like, oh, okay, well, but now, now my, you know, what, Bader Meinhof, you're like, uh, <laughs> once you hear it, one, oh, I, now everyone's saying it. Everyone's been saying it this whole time. I didn't notice. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, that's valuable input. Thank you. Let me get back to work. Right. You know? Right. And that's another good thing that self-awareness gives you. I think we're alike in the, in, uh, the fact that, you know, we don't ever think that we're a hundred percent right about anything. And we, and we're, we're always willing to, uh, not only be wrong, but seek out the, the real answer and be better for it. And, uh, and I think that's a good, it's, you know, it's part of empathy. So I, I, I think it's a good way, um, for a comedian to be because not only, not only do you know which advice is going to work for you and which isn't, but at that advice may not work for you now, but it may work for you years down the road. Yeah. I, yeah. 100%. When you're ready to meet it, you know? Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, I don't, I don't, I don't have any answers. Mm. I'm trying to figure it out. Also, I know how I can get better. And so I just keep trying to get better. And then if I hear something, you know, and yeah, it totally it's, it totally is empathy because it's like um, the pronoun thing is a hot mm. thing, and it's like you know it may be confusing to some old timers or whatever, but it's like all right, well that's what's happening now, and I don't want to bum anyone out. So what's the, what harm does it do me to? all right that's a day them now mm-hmm. uh, maybe i'll forget uh, don't get i'm sorry right but i'm gonna try and be better because it what's that makes you feel better i would want someone to do something to make me feel better yeah i don't like being i don't like being called a fat fuck stop calling me stop calling me that i don't like being called she okay yeah then, uh, all right my bad i'll do my best Right. And, and the way, and and you do a, you do a pretty good bit on that. That is, um, non-confrontational for like, say I'm in Huntsville. So say, say you're, say you're in Huntsville or you're Huntsville, not so much Birmingham. Say you're in Birmingham at a club. I think you could get away with that at a club in Birmingham. So yeah, Huntsville's a little, Huntsville's pretty woke these days. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so like there's tones of it. So I I think I know the joke you're talking about. And so like I to me, the funny part 
about the bit is that I'm conflating gender and sexuality. Yeah. Which I know is not the same. Right. I am purposefully conflating it, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. And I have found that um, an ignorant crowd laughs at the wrong part of it. Right. Yep. And a woke crowd gets offended at the wrong part of it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, uh, uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really what, that's what I like about that because it, it plays for different audiences for different reasons. You know what I find funny about, or one of the many things I find funny about the, the construct that we have now of like the, the ignorant room and the woke room and the whatever is, uh-huh. is when you tell a joke, that's like a stereotype joke uh-huh. and the audience the audience is so not in on it that they just think you're saying a true statement. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, yeah. like if I were to be like, yeah, you know, I had to shave down my horns. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, I'll, like in Enid, Oklahoma, I'll see someone be like, I told you they had horns. And it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> when it was obviously a joke, dickheads. Like, we're yeah. not. Jews on a fucking horse. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, never mind. <laughs> oh, I love that. Now, I have a joke where I imply like uh, Indian people are smarter than white people. Uh huh. And I'll say, oh, you know, he turns out super smart. And I am Rajesh. And then, like, occasionally, and I don't mind that, but occasionally you just get someone be like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Like, so nothing in what I said was absurd. That right. doesn't feel absurd to you at all. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you where to laugh. You laugh. Yeah. Laugh was the, then we won. Right, right. Now, in this whole, I mean, there's there's so many um, uh, arguments going around about being canceled and cancel culture and stuff like that. Do you feel like comedians sometimes do that in reverse based on the room that they walk into and the city that they walk into, um, that they, they feel like they have to change for them. And then what it turns out is that they really didn't have to because the, um, even though you're you're in the Bible Belt or whatever, um, you can you can you can find people who are of you know whatever faith, Christian faith, Muslim, what, whatever they are, um, you can find people that are comfortable enough in what they know to laugh at it, and and or what they believe to laugh at it, and sometimes you rob people of, of great material because you feel like it's not going to land. I think, uh, I'm answering this question correctly. Um, not correctly. I think (laughs) I'm answering the, the correct part of the question. Uh, you're, you should want to be writing universal material. Mm hmm. Um, 
I think like there's like local references and stuff like that. You can like take in, take out, you know, maybe in one joke, it's the Hooters on Yukon, but by you, it would be Jack Brown's on main street. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like uh, there would be a, that situation to Mm -hmm. it. Um, I, I I think that's like a, it's a slippery slope. (laughs) It's a slippery slope. Once you start thinking, Oh, this audience isn't going to like this kind of stuff. Yeah. I think you you just got to be true to yourself. I, I mean, there's a definitely occasion where to, where a lean in mm-hmm. is unnecessary. Like if you're worried that the all lesbian crowd you're performing to tonight isn't going to like the transgender joke, you can leave the transgender joke. Yeah. Definitely don't only do transgender jokes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because your yeah. take is not going to be unless you have experience with it, like yeah. your takes not going to be hot, hot enough. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like I've never lived as a lesbian. Uh-huh. I can talk about some sexuality stuff because you know, there's some struggles now and again, uh-huh. but I don't know what the lesbian experience is like. I can't do 20 minutes on being a lesbian. Uh-huh. I'm not going to lean into that. Right. Um, on the other hand, though, like a redneck room will laugh at redneck jokes. They really will, yeah. Whereas a a left-leaning room don't necessarily have good sense of humor about themselves. Right. Um, I open for Ashley Gavin quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Not quite a bit. Once in a while, I mm-hmm. open for Ashley Gavin. I would love to do it more. Uh, her audience is 100% lesbians. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I mean... Literally, I've done a show with her where I've been like, where are my heteros at? And like two people will be like, <laughs> you know, um, and I don't change. I don't take out anything. I don't add anything once in a while. If I think if I think they're not loving me, maybe I won't do something that's like on the edge. Uh-huh. But that's just because if pe- people have to. People have to like me quite a bit for me to sell a one-arm lady joke. Yeah, like, people have, like we're, we're we're just not going to get there together as a group if you don't already like me. You're right, going to be like, yeah, oh, f this. Guy. Um, so that has nothing to do with lesbian or redneck or whatever. That's just if the room's not feeling me, I have to close with something else. Uh huh. Um. But yeah, I feel like I there's not a lot I will take out or maybe I won't do one bit of a one piece of a bit, but very, very rare. I can't really think of any instances where I'm just like, Oh, I'm not doing that joke. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of it. Like, you know, I did a biker bar and I did my biker joke. It didn't work. It didn't go over well. Mm-hmm. I thought they would think it was funnier than, you know, like I thought because I look how I look, yeah. And have the experiences that I have that we would get along better, and we they just they were just too like they were just too tough to have a good time at their own expense, uh-huh. which is you know whatever I my bad you know yeah but in general yeah like no I'll, I don't think it's a good idea to be like because it's it's code switching yeah yeah it's just as bad as like going into a black room and start trying to talk like a black guy you know it's just like right. Yeah. I could have just listened to code switching. I didn't need to explain what code switching was. Yeah. 
it's fun. It's funny you talk about uh, you know uh, like a strong lesbian audience. Uh, this is totally unrelated, but uh, I went to see see Melissa Etheridge. Um, right after she came out, I think it was 88, 89 or something like that. And I was going mostly because Matthew Sweet was opening for her. Um, and I'm a big Matthew Sweet fan. And, Huge Matthew Sweet fan. Yeah. And so basically what showed up at the Morris Auditorium there in South Bend was every lesbian in a 50 mile radiance, radius. And I was third row and I was just surrounded with my brother by women. And they're all just showing the merch or just putting the merch up there like that. And she finally stopped and said, yeah, I know about that stuff because that's my merch. <laughs> it, it, it was, it was like every woman there wanted her. And, and it was just, it, it, it was, it was kind of a neat experience uh, to, to see that. And uh, Melissa was a little bit uncomfortable at all the, all the women kind of throwing themselves at her. So, uh, I, I like that makes me want to tell you two quick things. One, um, so Ashley Gavin, who I who I open for occasionally, um, every time I say it, it goes down. Like all the time, mm -hmm. sometimes, occasionally. Yeah. Once, <laughs> this woman Ashley that I have no friendship with that I met once, uh, she has a bit about putting all the lesbians in an electric cage, uh -huh. like a fence cage them in. And she's like, stop right there. Put me in the cage with the other lesbians. Like, that's the uh -huh. joke. And then I saw there's, like, an Etheridge Fest coming up. Uh -huh. And the flyer is, like, Melissa Etheridge, Ani DeFranco, Indigo Girls, you name it. Yeah. And I sent the flyer to her, and I was like, is this the cage with all the <laughs> And Matthew Sweet, I did, I did a meme recently where, you know, those, like, those Venn diagram memes? Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, or like it's like basically now it's like the arm wrestler guys. It's a Venn diagram, uh -huh. and uh, it's uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, porn actresses and Matthew Sweet songs, <laughs> and then starts with a solo. <laughs> I love it. I think that's funny. I don't know. I mean, this is a very small audience that will get. Yeah, that Matthew Sweet songs all start with a solo. But yeah, no doubt, and. Um... Evangeline would be the star of that one. So yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I I remember playing it for someone. I was like, every Matthew Sweet song starts with a solo. And they're like, what? And then I like put on both both those first two records and then even the new record. Mm -hmm. um, oh, all of them. 100% fun. Yeah. Every song starts with a solo. That first record, every song starts with a solo. And then I and then I, I played the new one to be like, and he didn't stop. Like it just. Yep. Yeah, blue Some sky on Mars, all, all, all the way through. Yeah, it's that that's his modus modus operandi. He's uh, love yeah, but it, I, I, I love him. I just I love, I love uh, poppy bands that have really dark undertones, and and Matthew hits that. Are you familiar with Motion City at all? Yeah, yeah, I am. I mean, I mean, not similar in musical styles, yeah. but I mean, that is all like that feels like all pop songs with a moog. Yeah. And then like the lyrics are just about like killing yourself yeah. and heroin addiction and <laughs> like brutal. Yeah. Like, he's to me, he's a, like, he's a genius. Yeah. Justin, Justin Pierre is a genius. Yeah, for sure. For sure. 
I, I, I look back at how long they've been around. It, see, Motion City soundtrack at my age, because I'm almost 58, they, they feel like a new band to me. But right. they've, they've been around for a while. And I, I discover them usually probably 10 years after they started. That's usually my when I find bands. But that's great that you're like, you know, I feel like a lot of as we get older, we, we settle into our routines. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really, I find that I gravitate towards people who are still looking for new stuff. Yeah. Like I want to, I want I want to know what's on TV tomorrow. I want to know what's, what a cool new band is, what yeah. the cool new comedians are doing. Like I, I'm never, I've, I, I've never uttered, you know, the, the expression like, oh, well, it's not the same as when I was like, no, it's, it's better. People have access to more, people are more talented. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've actually, I've got a joke that I want to run it by you because it's, um, it almost universally gets me booed and I, it's, it's, it's basically me, me dissing Led Zeppelin. And so what I do is I say, okay, boomers like me, we compare every band to Led Zeppelin, and if they don't sound like Zeppelin, we don't even want to hear them. And I'm like, Led Zeppelin's a great band. They, they're they a fantastic band. I've just listened to enough Led Zeppelin. I don't have to listen to any more because there's new music out there. And every time I do that, it's just like, oh, you've dissed the Led Zeppelin. Yeah, no, I'll... Uh, fuck Led Zeppelin. Um, <laughs> first of all, they stole all their stuff. Two, that's like a good. The Led Zeppelin argument is so funny to me because there's that band Greta Van Fleet. Yeah, yeah. That's Led Zeppelin too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like if you don't like if you like Led Zeppelin and don't like them, you're just being a prick. Like yeah. that is there. That's the same band. Right. And also, like, oh yeah, fuck, dude, fuck Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I never. I never got into them, and, I, and I've had arguments with like other like rock and roll people where they're just like, "No, you got to listen to this," and it's like to me, it's like the secret menu. Yeah, you know what I mean. If it's that good, put it on the main menu. Why is why is why is track one bad? Yeah. <laughs> why do I gotta be smart to listen to this? But no, 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 it's not for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I've, I've reworked that joke a million different ways, and it just always falls flat. So I, you know, it's it's one of those jokes that you people bring out. People are precious about that band. People are precious about that band. Yeah, and uh, it's one you bring out when you want to really lean into your bomb. It's it's a great one to just really turn the audience completely against you. Plus your town is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have near enough vape shops. You just have too many fast food places for how many lights you have in this town. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things, one of the things I really, uh, th- that I notice about you is um, comedians really like to bring you on as their feature. Uh, so some, some pretty, pretty big up and coming comedians like to have you as a feature. How do you, how do you position yourself as being a good feature? Well, I tr- so I just want to I want to be what people want. I want to be what I want on the road with me. Mm-hmm. I drive. I take my job seriously. I'm good. Mm-hmm. 
I service the show. So like it's, it's their show. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be better than them. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to like, if I'm like, let's say I'm out with, I've only worked with her once so far. I plan on doing more, but like, let's say I'm out with Adrian Appalucci. Mm-hmm. I know we got to prime this audience for dark mm-hmm. because if, if the audience isn't expecting dark, if the audience isn't recognizing dark humor, she's going to have a really tough time. Mm. So I'm going to lean in with the really, I'm going to lean in with my darkest stuff. I'm going to do leukemia. You know, my parents are dead. All that stuff, all mm. the fucking, all the tough stuff. Yeah. I'm going to give her all of it. Cause she needs the audience to be primed for that. Cause yeah. if I come out and I'm like, Hey everybody, we're going to have goofy fun time. And then she's like, <laughs> And then she's like making fun of the Vietnam vets. You know what yeah. I mean? People are like, what? What? <laughs> so that's important. One. Right. Uh, yeah, I think I'm fun to be around. Mm. I also, like, logistically, I'm like, cause I used to tour manage. Mm-hmm. So, like, logistically, like, I have my shit together. Like, I can plan a trip. Uh, You know, I I, I, I can do the, 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 bullshit work that maybe some people don't want to do either mm-hmm. but that helps too i think sometimes mm-hmm. uh, i i i love that that's the perception of me is that people like to bring me out mm-hmm. i wish more people brought me out. i would love it mm-hmm. i would love to just oh i would i want to be i want to be on the road with people that i like to be on the road with i would love it mm-hmm. just i just yeah just out there uh yeah, that's uh, it's important to uh, recognize what the what recognize what they need. Yeah. And then and and fill that need. Right. Whatever. Right. That's uh, and, and that really leads into um, how busy you are. So I I see, you know, I see comedians that are saying that they can't find work and that it's really, it's really tough out there. And then I see your schedule and you're, you know, you're almost, uh, you're, you're working pretty much 48 weeks out of the year and working hard all over the place. How do you, how do you position yourself to do that? That, I mean, uh, that's just, it's, I don't, I don't like want to say like, I, I think there's a lot of different ways to do it. I don't think I did it the smart way at all, but I've made like a ton of sacrifice. Like my life is very pared down. Mm-hmm. Like my bills are very minor. Mm-hmm. I, you know, uh, I don't own anything. You know, yeah. like I have a couple of suitcases worth of clothes. Mm-hmm. Everything I own is in this room right now. Yeah. Like there's not, like, I don't have, like, kitchen stuff. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, what's in this room is, that's it. Uh-huh. And, like, now even, like, the bed's not mine. That's not mine. The desk's not mine. <laughs> that thing's mine, but that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, I just, I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I appreciate that people perceive it 
the way they perceive it. Mm-hmm. But it's, I don't know that it's enviable. So th- th- there's a sacrifice involved yeah. of kind of, <laughs> yeah. kind of having a regular I mean, every, life. Yeah. You can't have a regular Cause like, even like, so I was with, I was married for a while. I was with the, you know, the woman I would love to have died with, mm-hmm. but like, how do you ask someone to be a part of this? lifestyle with you mm-hmm. like that's super disrespectful like hey i love you why don't you wait around weeks at a time while yeah. i go chase this dream that's probably not gonna happen yeah you know stay safe you know i like yeah. there are so many times where like i, I mean this isn't comedy related but this is lifestyle related mm-hmm. i was on a flight to hong kong my ex had a had a um uh an infection in in an ear infection like she got it and ended up in the hospital and ended up like had to have surgery and whatever the whatever it was all while I was on a plane like I was on an 18 hour flight yeah so she got the infection had to get rushed to the hospital like that's some shit like you should be there for. Yeah. Like uh, it would have been a huge help in her life if I had not been. And I mean, yeah, it was work. It was work related. It was like, uh, you know, but still it's like, I don't know. You know, people talk about missing their kids bar mitzvah, their first words or whatever. That's, that's that, that's that lifestyle. Right. Like either you're built for it or you're not built for it, but even being built for it, like that stuff takes its toll where mm. you're just like, I can't ask. It's like even now if I like I date a little bit, but it's like I can't I can't ask you to get serious with me, you know? Mm. And then and then what? I'm on, I'm going on the road for seven straight weeks mm. that doesn't come back through Oklahoma City. Oh. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Right. So is there an end goal to working as hard as you are? Are you are you working towards something or do you think the harder you work the luckier you luckier you get? Uh So I look at Nate Bergazzi. Uh-huh. Did you see his schedule recently? Yeah. I've seen so he, I've seen him twice. I watched him twice on the same tour so that I could understand his pacing. So he just added a bunch of dates. I saw his thing. And uh it's like yeah, I mean he's he's gone this whole he's on tour this whole year. Uh-huh. So I don't know what am I what am I working towards? Yeah. You know, you like uh-huh. Like to me, it's like, oh, it'll get easier. Touring will get easier. I can tour like Nate Bergazzi. Uh huh. Yeah. That's if I'm the best in the world, I can tour like best. If, the, if all the stars align uh-huh. and everything goes 100%, turns up Neil, the best I can hope for is to tour like Nate Bergazzi. Yeah. 
Well, that's still all right. That's so then what? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Look, I mean, honestly, when I think about like goals, because success looks different to everybody. Uh-huh. It's just an easier time touring. I just wish I had an easier time touring. Yeah. That the the e- the emails got answered quicker right. or you know the whatever yeah <clears throat> it's just about having an easier time touring so yeah no there's no end in sight yeah. you know because success is more touring you know maybe relationships and friendships get a little easier because i can bring people out with me if it's my show right you know if it's if it's the neil rubenstein uh, traveling bonanza, then yeah, the girl that I'm seeing can come, and you know my uh, I can bring a friend as a merch guy. I can I can hire a merch person. I can hire a you know someone to just hold the cell phones and film us all day. You know, like I can have an editor, or you know I can bring Dubin out so he can edit and do my art while we're on the road. You know and I'm, but that's, I mean, it's still, it's the same. Ultimately, it's the same lifestyle. It's just easier. Yeah. But it easy, is it easier? Then there's more things, more plates in the air, you know? Then yeah. it's like, well, now I got to worry about, like, is the show we just agreed to do for Netflix? Like, do we have to work on that this week while on the road? You know what I mean? Like, right. who's, who's doing that? Who's taking care of that? Well, that's, that's the thing in comedy because you are, you have to be present for all of that, no matter, no matter what it is, it's, you're the product. So you're the one that has to be there no matter how you get there. If somebody else drives for you or you're on a tour bus or you're flying or whatever, whatever it is, you are still the product. So you are the one that has to show up when everything goes down. You know, yep. when, when you're, and you've been in TV, when, when you're an actor, you, you have to be on set, but you don't have to be front and center all the time. It's only your scenes. When you're a comedian, it's all you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, am I, what am I doing, Scott? I, I, I'm not I putting you in a dark place, am I? <laughs> um, I, live in a, I live in a dark place. Yeah. Oh, now you've, you've been doing it long enough and you are, I, I think you're smart enough that, that you watch other people. What do you look for in like a raw comedian? Oh, so, so when you, when you do a club, like you recently did Fort Wayne and I'm sure that there were, um, guest spots and stuff like that. When you watch these comedians like doing a guest spot what what sparks you to say hey they could be something oh i mean uh, all sorts of different things i uh, yeah all sorts of different because it could be it could be a look it could be a style it could be a comfortability it could be the writing it could be the jokes it could be the topics premise selection mm-hmm. it could it, like it could be you know it could be anything i really same thing with bands like when you like i'll hear a new band i'm like yeah that band's gonna be good you know <laughs> like yeah 
That man's gonna be big, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's all different stuff. I, like, I can't. I mean, I guess it's charm, like that it factor, the mm-hmm. charm. So that's a that's a fun. Um, what's the word for it? It's a uh, like a little like a game. So like I can tell. I can tell when someone's going to be famous if we're in a public setting and they stand alone in the corner. Uh-huh. If it takes four minutes for there to be a group of people over in the corner, that person's going to do well uh-huh. professionally. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they're, Cause they're literally drawing. a yeah. magnet. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. And I think that's like a fun thing to do. Like, that's just like a fun exercise. Is like you like you go to a party. I'm gonna I'm gonna stand in the corner mm-hmm. and see how long it takes for everyone to be like, "Hey, what's up, man?" and come over to me mm-hmm. and be like, "Oh, I must be giving off a thing today." And yeah. Then be like, oh. <laughs> like I don't belong at this party at all. Yeah. <laughs> <gonna> go. <laughs> I'm gonna take my Zorak references elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's so it's funny. Be- to, yeah. <laughs> when I was talking about Lucy, Door of the Devil. They're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, you didn't see it? Oh, you gotta see it. I'm like showing it to my phone. Yeah. <laughs> like, get out of here. This guy got to know. That's that's another thing I like about you. You're an outlier. You like what you like, and you don't care what anybody else likes. And and I think that's an important thing, especially in comedy, because you know I see, okay, I see people that get all caught up in, um, say, Star Wars. So you're either a fan or you're not a fan, and I'm not a fan. And people who are star Wars fans don't understand how I can't be a fan. And, you know, I, I'm also, I I don't care about the Marvel universe or any of that stuff. I'll go see a movie and I don't really care that I don't know what it's connected to. And I didn't see the other movie and all that kind of stuff. But, and I feel like you're the same way, especially on music and stuff like that. You, you like what you like because you like it. Um, not because a whole bunch of other people said you should like it. Right. For sure. In that sense. Yeah. But I'm a fan of the zeitgeist. Like I like to know what, I like to know what's being batted around out there so I can make the references and, and, and understand that I want to understand the references too. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I like what I like for sure. But, uh, I like, I like to hear what other people like. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Like, um, talk about, uh, I forget who it was. This is going back a long time, but, uh, listening to someone talk about something they're passionate about. Mm-hmm is awesome. It is. And and I don't care what that topic is. Mm -hmm. If you're like super passionate about like peanut Mm M&Ms, I'm like, I want to hear, tell me more about how the, tell me more about peanut M&Ms. Let's go. Yeah. Into it. Or you're like, oh, you know, you're like, 
amazed by rocket propulsion. Yeah. Well, I could definitely learn from you. Like, tell me about rocket. Yeah. Is that even the word? Propulsion? Yeah. Propulsion? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. My, my, my son actually is a rocket scientist, so that is a word. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're Huntsville. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, and... It, it, it is really cool, and that's really one of the reasons I started this show is because when I get people like you on that are passionate about what you do, it, that really comes through, and anybody can learn from somebody who's passionate about what they do. I agree. And like I said earlier, like I think anyone can – you can even take away something from a bad take. Yeah, yeah. I, whether it's well, I'm not gonna listen to that. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna trust that guy. It's not gonna, not gonna, not gonna work here anymore. Or, you know, uh, oh, that was that was an interesting view. I would never have, I would never have come at it from that angle. Yeah, like we're so far apart. I would never have thought, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the longest winded possible way. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, yeah. what do you think is your, uh, what do you think is your, uh, the biggest mistake you've ever made that you've recovered from and how did you recover from it? Uh, personally or professionally? It can be either. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to pass. I, you, you can do professionally. But. Uh, professionally, quitting when I quit. Okay. Quitting when I quit. I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a regret guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not a like. You know, wish I could do it over. But uh, if I hadn't quit, if I had just tabled it, and like regrouped. I didn't have to, I wouldn't have had to have taken it so seriously. I could have figured it out. And then when I did get back into it, I would have been so much further along. Mm -hmm. Um, Or when I did discover my passion, like, cause I was always, I mean, I've always been a huge fan of stand up, So it's not like I rediscovered a passion, but it was like, I I developed a respect for it. I hadn't had previously. Mm Mm-hmm. And so if I had just, instead of just quitting, if I had just maintained, but then maybe I wouldn't have ever discovered the respect for it. So I, I don't know, man, maybe, maybe yeah. not. Yeah. I'm like you, regret. That's, that's why I really don't really do regret stuff. Cause it's like, yeah. well, it would be, it would be so different. Uh, who knows? I yeah. Maybe Re- it's, uh, you know, not taking the, the this thing or taking the this thing, yeah. you know, where it's like, oh, I don't even realize that that was a mistake, but it was too soon, too early, too soon, or mm. the other thing was out. Yeah. I'm with you. I feel like regrets just rob you of the time that you have on earth, and it's just not the, it's not a good thing. I love well, the, the killer life, man. I've yeah. done so much fun stuff. I, I, I mean, the amount of times I did what I didn't want to do. Yeah. I mean, nobody has my track record. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. So, I, I'm whatever. Whatever happens at this point, 
Yeah. We say everyone's got a different version of this, but we say for the ferret. Uh, yeah. A bunch of my friends got in trouble for stealing a ferret. Yeah. And they, they could have gone to jail and they didn't. And so now every time I go to like a parking ticket, it's like, yeah, hey, it's for the ferret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, I. I can't tell you how much I enjoy finding somebody like you who I find interesting, but I don't really know. And then I just do a deep dive and totally stalk you on the internet and find everything I can about you. And then you come on and I, you know, I feel like, you know, I feel like you get a little bit of a connection and, and both of us, uh, both of us take away something. And the funny thing is, is, is this is, um, this goes on my Facebook page, and I'm friends with John Poveromo, who I met through doing the pod podcast. He was a guest on the podcast, and he just writes underneath it, "Love Neil," and yeah. and it's just it's just really neat to make these circles because I don't make the connections naturally. Sometimes I don't see where the connection is, but then when it comes around and I see it, I think it's really cool, and I I really appreciate what you do and and the fact that you. Yeah, you're unique, and and the your act is it, it really draws me in, and I know it draws the audience in, and I I can't imagine I, I can imagine seeing you live would be so much better because when I'm wa watching your videos, I'm leaning in and I'm like, yeah, I I get where this guy's coming from, so I I really appreciate you being on the show. It's been it's been a really really good talk. Thanks, man. No, thanks for having me. I, I, yeah, thank you. So I can't, I mean, you just like, you say nice things. Yeah. <laughs> well, I only, I only have people on that I want to say nice stuff to. I work it that way. Um, now, um, where can people find you when they want to see your schedule and just uh, find out what you're doing? Piece of shit. You know, <laughs> so I try to update the website as often as I remember to, mm -hmm. uh, at least once a week, I'll update it. Uh, that's there, neilrubinstein.com. Mm -hmm. My Instagram, too, I, I update it pretty rarely at Neil Rubenstein. Yeah, I mean, I guess right now the best thing to do is just follow me on Instagram, and at some point I'll have the other things at some point. You know what I mean? Because I do, like, I have all the other things. Like, I, you know, that you go, yeah, like, please go subscribe to the YouTube. Like, yeah. Use that and, or the Patreon. I could definitely use that, but uh -huh. ultimately, it's like, yeah, follow me on Instagram. You'll see what I'm up to. You'll see where I'm going. I post dates and flyers and clips and s sketches and yeah. whatever the what all the things that they make you do. Yeah, there's good stuff on your YouTube for sure. And uh, and yeah, I, as far as social media goes, I just found out I just got to pick one because I can't do all of them. I just I just went to Instagram and that's that's yeah. really the only thing I work very hard. But man, it's it's really been nice to get to know you. I hope uh, you know if you ever come through Huntsville that you uh, look me up so we can have lunch and and uh, get to know each other even better. Can I can I can we end on like a really dark note? Yeah, let's do it. So where I want to end my life is on the Tennessee river, just outside of Huntsville. Ah, okay. So <laughs> when you see it on the schedule, it could be, could be bad news. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not going to push you that way. So. <laughs> but I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Huntsville. I have a, I have a trash panda hat. Jack Brown's is my favorite burger spot. Nice. Star's one of my favorite bands. Yeah. Excellent. I like, it. I like uh, Huntsville. Rich, 
a rich culture. Yeah. <laughs> of rocket science and uh, bowling. Thank, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate uh, it. Thank you, man. Thank you so much.